A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello everyone, it is the post-match podcast here at Redmen TV. I'm your host Paul Machen. Liverpool beat Chelsea by two goals to one at Stamford Bridge. We've got the match reaction coming up in a moment, followed by player ratings and a little bit of in-depth chat from me and Tom as well. Hello everyone, welcome to the Redmen TV. Liverpool have just beaten Chelsea by two goals to one at Stamford Bridge. What a game of footy once again. Two brilliant games of football in a week and ultimately I much prefer the ones where we come out, you know, as the victors are supposed to be in the victims of a terrible referee. And, um, yeah, mad game. Uh, Liverpool, I thought, for, for long periods, that game with, with the team in charge, but I think largely we've all come out of that a full time, breathing a massive sigh of relief because Chelsea really going through it, throwing the kitchen sink out toward the end and Liverpool really started to look leggy. They started to look like a side that had gone through uh, the mass exertions of travelling to Naples in, in midweek, of course, and... Um, yeah, you can't help it. And all the, if you're watching at home, the commentary's building it up. It's building up Chelsea. Listen to the noise from their fans. Oh, they're really going for it. Blah, 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 blah. They had one or two hairy moments. It's the moment where Mason Mount puts the ball over the bar and that's the big chance that they have ultimately toward the end. But um, it was a little... It, it, it takes a shine off what, what was ultimately a, a really good away performance because you do, you know... Recency bias means you think a bit more about the stuff that happened more recently to you than the stuff that happened a little bit further away. So inevitably, you'll judge, you'll judge that game feeling like we've been through the ringer. But as I say, particularly the first half, I thought Liverpool were great. I thought they handled themselves. They conducted themselves really well. We we went for it a lot more than maybe we have done in games this season. I think we decided, let's try and catch them cold. Um, we really went for it. And, and the good thing that this side has got in its locker... And, it, and this is the difference between absolutely top quality sides and just really, really good sides, which is what I think Chelsea are, by the way, is we've got other things in our locker. So if you're not able to stick the ball in the back of the net, if you're front three, they said it in commentary, well, what happens if Liverpool's front three aren't firing? Well, I know, and I, look, I know Firmino scores, by the way, but we've got other ways of beating you. We've got set pieces in our, in our locker. Liverpool were the best team from set pieces last season, particularly from corners. The way we work things, we've got so much more in our arsenal than just cutting you apart and scoring a goal. And to be honest, on that on that front, we weren't great. You know, we didn't craft a load of chances. We didn't carve them apart. We didn't cause Kepa to make string of save after save after save. We did largely what was necessary to get the points and it shouldn't be undervalued. And I, and I was saying this on a, I've got over on Twitch actually in, in the build-up to the game. Um, that I think because Sky 
don't have the Champions League and the Europa League games, they don't big up how important those games are because they don't want to tell you that they're really big and really important because you're basically advertising BT Sport to do that. Whereas look at some of the results that you see. You always see teams struggle after those, after those European exertions. We were a bit lucky, I think, that... Chelsea is still a team finding the feet and also had some of those midweek exertions themselves, albeit I think they played, at, they played at home, didn't they? So, yeah, you look at the likes of, obviously, Man United struggling, Arsenal get over the line in the end, Spurs struggled, Man City just didn't struggle at all because they couldn't have Watford's number anymore. Um, but, yeah, it happens all the time. This is the period of the season where you have those European hangovers, yada, 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 and I think Liverpool going away to one of their, their, their biggest rivals, both historically and, look, let's be honest, this season as well, and getting the three points is Absolutely mega. I thought Trent Alexander-Arnold was absolutely outstanding. Fantastic goal from him. Doesn't get enough goals, to be honest. And I, and I genuinely feel like goals are coming from his game. You, know, you could have had one the other week. Andy Robertson could have had a couple as well. I think like that's the next level for him to go. But all, all round, and I think this was true in midweek as well, the criticisms of Trent Alexander-Arnold are often his defensive his defensive output and defensively I thought he was spot on so strong in the tackle his position I thought was was absolutely outstanding um, and again he had the, 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 the telling goal down the other end as well and look yes there's the VAR moment and I'm sure there'll be Chelsea fans who are their complaints of it I can only imagine are, the, are like the football purist complaints that it's so it's so it's tight it's fine margins again like the ones we've seen this weekend already but for me, my, my problems with VAR aren't in binary decisions because you're either offside or you're not. And I'm glad that they had the intelligence to pull that back because the second they showed the replay, me and Tom watch it in the studio, you'll be able to see those goal reactions on the channel shortly, which are well worth the wait. Um, as soon as we saw one replay of it, went, well, it's offside, they'll give that offside and you can relax. Now, I, I still don't think the way they handle it in the stadium is right, but ultimately they're getting the right decision in that regard and if that goes against if similar decisions go against Liverpool later in the season you've got to just go eh, fair enough it's a binary decision you're either offside or you're not in this instance he's offside and I'm sure it, it must feel like absolute bullshit for Chelsea because the game goes on they work it they force Liverpool into errors and they stick the ball in the back of the net and the most delicious thing about it from a Liverpool perspective is we go down the other end we get a free kick it's another very well worked set piece and we started going, wouldn't it be hilarious now? Wouldn't it be hilarious if having them, they're all kicking off still, the commentary team are all still talking about VAR, and we just scored another goal, and lo and behold, we didn't. And the second it got to 2-0, as much as it felt nervy at times, Liverpool don't lose 2-0 leads. They don't. There might be there's odd exceptions to, to prove the rule, but by and large, you're not going to score three goals against Liverpool to, to, to win a game. So... As much as it was possible they could have got something out of that, the odds of it were very much stacked in Liverpool's favour. So ultimately, that's what Liverpool did because that's what really good teams do. They find good ways and interesting and different ways to win against very, very good sides. And that, my words, Chelsea will have their ups and downs and I don't think they'll be challenging for the title this season, but I think they will be very much in the conversation for, for the top four and they should be because they've got some great players and they've really got the spirit behind them as well. Yeah, so very, very interesting times ahead. But uh, for us, top of the league, still five points clear in Manchester City, the only team with a 100% record, breaking Liverpool personal records in terms of unbeaten runs and all that kind of stuff. Life is good as a Liverpool fan. Long may it continue and it means we can look forward to um, Milton Keynes in midweek. Hello everyone, it is player ratings time. Liverpool beat Chelsea 2-1 and I'm here to talk through some of the performances from the mighty Reds today. I'm going to start with Adrian in goal. It was absolutely sound. Um, one little, there's one little moment, and I keep talking about Adrian in, in this sense of I go, he's been brilliant for us ever since he's come in. Really, really good. I'm, I'm, I'm chock full of confidence. He makes me feel really calm. But um, at some point, he's going to do something daft, blah, blah, blah. And that little moment where he, he spilled the cross and then he dived on it. 
other than that, I thought he was absolutely fine for us. Um, he, he's just confident in what he does. The little moment when we're under pressure, I think it's Tammy Abraham closed him down and he just dinks it over his head. And you're thinking, this is a lad we picked up on a free transfer and been binned off by West Ham. Um, yeah, so I've gone for a seven for him in, in that regard. I don't think he had tons to do. I don't think he could do anything with the goal from, uh, from N'Golo Kante. So yeah, absolutely fine for me. Left back, Andrew Robertson. Huh. I'd be tempted because I don't think Liverpool were, were exceptional across the board here to, to, to give just generally lower markings because I think if we dominated from start to finish, I think you, you, you start to add, add marks here. I was going to give Andrew Robertson a seven and then he made that run pretty much the last run of the game where he just completely relieves all the pressure. We're, we're feeling a little bit pinned back and all we're doing is trying to hump it into the channels and hope for the best and the ball's coming back at us and Andy Robertson just picks it up and drives through the middle of the pitch, gets completely taken out and um, it's a wonderful piece of play. So literally almost for that, I think he, I think I thought he had a good all-round performance today but um, I'm going to air towards an 8 out of 10 for, for Andy Robertson. Virgil van Dijk, <sighs> It's weird, seven, seven, and by his own high standard, I don't think there was anything particularly bad about Virgil van Dijk's performance, but it was fine. It was just an absolutely fine centre-half performance. Next one, though, I thought Joel Matip was absolutely outstanding, and it was the nature of the games. If you actually look at that, the heat maps of both players, Joel Matip was absolutely everywhere. Virgil van Dijk plays quite a lot more advanced. You know, the, the vast majority of his touches are coming sort of a left-sided DM position. That was because at times he's being obviously tasked with either coming out and winning the ball or, or, or bringing the ball out himself. Joel Matip's doing a lot of covering work. And what I really like about, about Matip, and it's been true pretty much since we played Napoli in the last game of the, uh, the group stages in the Champions League last year, his levels of aggression have gone through the roof and it was his one big criticism. I think ever since we signed him, as he was a bit passive, gone, completely gone. He's so, so aggressive. He, he, he goes, he actively looks to, to physically impose himself upon people, which he never did before. Uh, I thought that was great. I've given Joel Matip an eighth. Trent Alexander-Arnold, on, on a general performance, I think it was an eight out of ten performance. He scores an absolute peach of a goal from the free kick. Um which bumps him up to a nine for me because that's the one thing that's been lacking from his game. When you put an all-round right-back performance in like that, I thought he supported the attack really well. I thought he defended really, really well as well, given that's something that's been a bit of a, a, a cloud hanging over him. The only remaining lingering doubt about Trent Alexander-Arnold's ability is, is, is he a good defender? And I'll look, I'll long make the case. I, I don't think it really matters too much because, look, if he starts to add goals to his game, if you're starting to get it, and it's, it's still early days for this, we can get five goals a season out of Trent, whether that's from free kicks or actually getting in the box and, uh, and shooting, then it's world-class. It's a world-class level of performance from a lad who I think is going to end up the best right-back in world football. But yeah, brilliant to see. Absolutely fantastic strike. A real throwback goal to the mid-noughties. We had a glut of them. John Arisa used to do them. Gerard used to do them. It was a real like Pez 5, Pez 6 style thing where you'd lay it off and just hit someone with middle shooting and get them to smack it in the top bin. Great to see that. Uh, moving on to the midfield, I thought Fabinho... I, I was fine with the seven, a 7 out of 10 performance. It was probably probably edging towards an 8. It was mentioned in commentary during the match. And I, I, whether I scribe this, I'm not, I'm not too sure. But maybe he could be a little bit more aggressive in just booting Kante when he, when he strolls into the middle of the park. But that being said, I don't think anyone watched that and thought we were in, we were in danger. It's Kante. If you're going to let one lad have the ball from their midfield, it's him, isn't it? And um, yeah, he smacks it in. It's a good goal. It's a really good goal. Um, so I'll go with I'll go with a seven out of ten for Fabinho. Genie Wine Alden, 
I'd say a six from him. It was probably about 15 minutes into the game and uh, Tom remarked to me, oh, is that, that basically the first thing that Genie's done? Um, it was one of those games for him. I thought at times he held the ball really well. You could see how knackered he was and unfortunately his fatigue nearly contributes to a couple of defensive lapses for us. There's that one where they literally triple up on the left-hand side and Genie's just... I don't know whether it's tactical or whatever, but it felt to me, given how laboured he was in getting back over there, like it was just a little bit, it was just a game too far or 20 minutes or whatever too far for him. So yeah, not 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 an amazing performance from Genie. Henderson I thought was fine, I thought 7 out of 10 again. Like like Fabinho, I would have no great issue with giving them a slightly higher mark, um, but just because he didn't have a little bit more impact. But I thought, I thought Henderson, that was a good game from him. Uh, so I'll go with a 7 out of 10. In terms of front three, Bit disappointing, all told. I'll give Bobby a, I'll give Bobby a seven. Okay, I'll give Bobby an eight because he's caught. It's a great goal. Um, so I give Bobby Firmino an eight out of ten. But uh, that coloured almost entirely by the fact that he does get the, the ultimately the winning goal um, in the match. Mane, I think, was poor. I'll give a six out of ten to him. Just touch just wasn't quite there. It, it wasn't really that game. I thought, I thought Chelsea defended really well. We didn't, it, it didn't click, and the touches weren't quite there. The little quick interplay, quite similar to midweek, and that's the problem. Is it wasn't quite there against Napoli. Well, with with a ninety minutes in your legs from the Napoli game and the travel and blah 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 blah. And I'm sure Klopp will use this as an excuse, but I'm happy to throw it out there because I can because I don't really know, and none of us do. Um, that I, I, it felt a little bit like you're not really going to get that. That those fine touches are not going to come back when you play the mid a midweek game. You need that just just flowing or whatever uh, and and on the flip side of that you've obviously got Mohamed Salah I mean flip side of the pitch not in terms of performance thought Mo Salah was the weakest of the front three I'd go five out of ten for Mo um, this week not that he didn't try not that he you know he wasn't trying to make things happen but it just again it wasn't quite there and that, sometimes that's just because he was being defended well I thought Tamori come across and covered him really well at times just in terms of his um, in terms of his covering pace, I thought he, he had a really good game over over on that side. There's the one moment where he gets past him and Christensen ends up getting took out and get, getting injured. It just didn't click. It didn't click for the front three, but mercifully it didn't it didn't have to ultimately. Uh, then moving on to the substitutes. Um, I'm gonna quickly remind myself, Adam Lalana, five out of ten. I mean, not again, for me, he did nothing particularly in the game, so it's not, an, I wouldn't consider a 5 out of 10 a particularly negative mark, he just for me didn't have an impact particularly on, on the match, uh, and James Milner, yeah, pretty much the same to be perfectly honest, he did have an impact on the game, he got booked stupidly for no reason, um, he doesn't, he struggles doesn't he when he comes on uh, in second halves of, of football matches or, uh, you know, particularly late on in games, he does seem to take a little bit while to get up to the speed of the game, and we did look, we, we were leggy, and there's no disrespect to either of those lads who came on, came on the pitch, it's just a shame because similar situation to midweek, it's 2-0 when you're getting towards 20 minutes left in the game, you're thinking, hmm, do you just put Brewster on here? Just get a bit of fresh legs. And that's the slight issue we had in this game is that we were kind of hamstrung by what we could do because the likes of Brewster, he's there, good experience for him. I'm sure if it was like 3-0, we might have seen him. But realistically, you've got to get him ready for midweek against MK Dons. And maybe that was one decision there with Noah Rigi likely for that game. Sadio Mane coming off the pitch, being substituted means that he's likely to figure in that game. Who knows? We will know a little bit more as we build into that game at the start of next week. OK, that's the player ratings. Here's a little bit more from me and Tom. 13-14, I was never worried because I knew we'd outscore teams. Yeah. This team, I don't know what it is. There's certain just aspects of this team and, and the management and the way it's put together and who's in the side now. I am not worried ever. No, I, I'm not worried that we lost against Napoli. I don't care because I know we're getting through the group yeah. and then I know we're going to put in a great performance well, away from home in the Champions League. They had that stat, didn't they, during the game? Of like The last 60 games when we've taken the lead, we haven't lost. 
And like eventually those things, eventually those things come to an end. But we talk about it. And I always something I've referenced for years is that you know a mark of a good side is one that breaks records. Yeah. More came. There's a couple of belter tweets from uh, James Pearce and Dave Maddock. First from from Pearcey. Liverpool mark Klopp's 150th Premier League game in charge by setting a new club record of seven successive away league wins. That's also a club record, 15 straight wins in the Premier League. Liverpool also become the first clubs to win their opening six games in consecutive top flight seasons. And then Maddox got, again, seven successive, uh, successive uh, away league win, best in the club. And Klopp has 92 wins in, 100, in his 150th league game in charge. That's the best of any Liverpool manager ever. That, it, it is ridiculous. These are, these are things that you're going to look back on and go, Wow, we were spoiled, and and it's not even that we're we're not even taking it for granted because yeah. we realise every single day, every time we look at the pitch, we're like, look at the players we have, mm-hmm. look at what they're doing on this pitch week in week out, and yeah, you've got to compare yourself to other teams around the league, but there aren't many players that would ever get into the squad anymore because of just you you need a certain type of mentality in every single one of these players, as it, and and it, it's a winning mentality now, and it's a it's a Champions League medal holding winning mentality, yeah. and the amount of confidence they were laughing on the pitch ball today, yeah. laughing at Chelsea players, yeah. and there's nothing they could do about it because they were enjoying it, they were enjoying running around all there's day. There's no like imposter syndrome in this squad. No. There's no um, when you look at those players, we always talk about it. Look at those players that won the Champions League in 2005, and they knew. So many of them knew. They're just like they're looking at they're looking at that AC Milan side, and they must be like pinching themselves. They probably still right have nightmares. 15 years on, waking up and they've lost that game 10-0. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they knew they knew they didn't even deserve to be on the same pitch as some of those like, the likes of the the Maldinis and the Cacas and the, and you know the Paolos of this world. Yeah. There's, there's none of that from this Liverpool side because you don't get to back-to-back Champions League finals by accident. No. You get there by being brilliant, yeah. and then they just and you don't get to 97 points in the Premier League by accident. You can and and that that's what we're doing is we we're, we're taking all the fears that like somehow this was all going to fall apart or we were lucky it was a flash in the pan or whatever. It, it was nothing but senseless fear-mongering because this is a side that's been constructed over time. And look, again, not a, not a vintage Liverpool performance, but to go back to your point earlier on, 100% a title-winning performance. And all the big, all the stats are there. The, the fella threw it out in the, in the press conference, uh, in the build-up press conference, saying, like, Liverpool's away record. only won one against the top six since blah, 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 blah. And Klopp was like, eh, he didn't know. He clearly had no idea about that. And he didn't see it as didn't see it as a problem. And then we just went out there today, and that's why that's why it was important again just to get to get the points because the the queuing up these stories, the queuing up these reasons why it's going to go wrong. And Liverpool in the past have loved that. Yeah. They've loved an excuse. They've yeah. loved the reason to fall short and feel sorry for themselves. And this Liverpool side just won't entertain anyone. No, and we don't even need excuses anymore. We, it, it's we create so many chances to the point where, like Bobby Firmino scored, and I think he had a bad game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Virgil Van Dijk, I think, had a bad game, and he and he stopped everything pretty much. Mm. Fabinho made one mistake, and it cost us a goal pretty much. And you're thinking, oh, it's a bad game. These these are players playing an elite level every single time, and and we're not making mistakes anymore. That's it's, pretty much, and there will be. There's a couple of examples of difficult spells in the season, but that's our. That was one of our red flags when we looked ahead of the fixtures for yeah. the season. And obviously, there'll be more when the, the, the if we get out the groups and the knockout stages happen in the Champions League. We progress domestically in the cups, but as far as this spell of seasons and what is known, this was the first red flag. Yeah. It was Napoli away, Chelsea away, and bear in mind we still got to go Milton Keynes away, yeah. Sheffield United away, four away games back to back. If we come out of that spell. 
And obviously the Champions League is, is a disappointment. So we've kind of stumbled there, to be fair. But, you know, Chelsea's Chelsea's was a big one. That's the toughest yeah. opponent we've got for, for in that little spell. Yeah. Then you go, if you can get out the, if you can get out to the next round of the League Cup, and then you can go to the newly promoted side away from home with all the atmosphere, blah, 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 when we've seen other decent sides stumble against them. Then you've 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 give yourself a massive a massive platform for success this season. So yeah, yeah very very good afternoons watching. Absolutely love it. It's mm -hmm. a good game of football, Paul. Yeah, it, was. it was a good game of football, and you always are with Liverpool. And that's the beauty of now. We're talking about good games of football. We can sit back here and like big grins, magnanimous pricks that we are, yeah. because we can say, oh, good game, Chelsea. What a good game yeah. of football that was. Good on you. Yeah, yeah. Good on you, Chelsea, knowing that we've got the three points and we're five points clear at the top of the Premier League. There you go. That is the post-match podcast. If you want more, if you want the instant match reaction from Tom and myself in its full form, head over to theredmentv.com. That is in video and podcast form as well, as is all of our content over there. So if you want more coverage of the mighty Reds from us, we have got you covered this season. Theredmentv.com, free for the first month and then just £5 a month thereafter for all your video and podcast needs. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.